Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 271, recorded July 29th, 2017. And today we're going back to Starfleet Academy. Again? Didn't we, yep. didn't we go to Starfleet Academy a long time ago? Yeah, so we're going to learn about Nog and his classmates, right? Exactly. Exactly. And oh, wait. That's uh, not what this one's about, though. Oh. Oh, okay. These are other people that went to Starfleet Academy, eh? Yeah, I guess more than one group went. But yeah. Uh, uh, So, yeah, so this is a five-parter where we're introduced to some crew members that we know from back when they were in school and some crew members that we don't know. So hmm. you get a little bit of two different sets of classmates. Okay. So in the 2009 movie, we saw Kirk and McCoy and Ahura and some others. Mm-hmm. At Starfleet Academy, and then jump forward. It jumped pretty quickly at Starfleet Academy. You didn't see all the details. So Kirk was going to go, and McCoy in the shuttle, and then jump forward after they'd been there for a while. Right. And so now we get to see more in this series of them at Starfleet Academy. Yep. Plus the other group. Plus the other group. Right. Which we'll get into here in a minute. In a right. minute, but uh, but what's interesting is that at the same time this issue was coming out, or mm-hmm. or maybe even before, but shortly after the 2009 movie, there was a set of novels that were released called Star Trek Starfleet Academy mm-hmm. um, that were um, based when Kirk, Uhura, Spock, and them were were at the academy. So I read the first one, and I thought it was pretty good. Now that um, was Kelvin. Kirk Kelvin, Spock and Kirk Spock, yeah. So okay. it took place during that time of the 2009 movie, where in the movie it just skipped forward. But, okay. Uh, but these books were set right in there. Which, when this was released, th- these issues were released. You know, you see young Kirk and Ahura and Spock on the cover. So I was like, okay, these are just these fall in line with those books. But I was kind of surprised when we read these that it's really two different time time frames. Uh, spoiler, but uh, there's. The group that we do know, and then there's another group that happened a little bit later that's a brand new cast of characters. Okay, but the storyline in this comic series has nothing to do, it does not follow the storyline in those novels. Is that correct? Uh, not in, not, not that I know of. Okay. There's, okay. there's no, there's no supporting character that's introduced in those books or these books. That well, are the but, other ones. okay, but even forget, forget the supporting characters because there's a distinct, Calvin, uh, Kirk, and Spock characters. Right. Well, those books are definitely in the story. Kelvin, Kelvin. Oh, Kirk okay. And but Spock. but the storyline in those novels has nothing to do with this storyline that involves our main heroes. No. Nope. Okay. Different different adventures, same heroes. Okay. Cool. And they're there. Well, well, I think guess things were cut short, wasn't it? But you're you're in Starfleet Academy for four years, right? Or you're supposed uh, to be. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So there's lots of things that could have happened in right. those four years. 
Lots right. of room. That's almost a five-year mission, for All Pete's sake. Yourself. Exactly. Okay. All right. Shall we move on? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it then. All right. So uh, I get the pleasure of doing the first one. So this is Star Trek Starfleet Academy number one. I didn't see a subtitle or issue number title or anything. Neither did I. Came out December of 2015. Written by Mike Johnson and Ryan Parrott. Art by Derek Charm, letters by Neil Yutaki, and edits by Sarah Gatos. And because it's a IDW issue, we got three covers. So the first cover shows the Kelvin-era Kirk, Uhura, and Spock's heads floating over the Golden Gate Bridge. While underneath it, we see some Starfleet cadets that we don't quite yet know. Cover 2 shows these same Starfleet cadets that we don't know, but this time they're partying. And the uh, Vulcan woman does not look pleased. And then the last cover are just some headshots kind of circling. The female Vulcan is in the middle, and then we have Kirk, Spock, Uhura, and the other ones kind of just floating over around them in a circular pattern. So while attending Starfleet Academy, Uhura and Spock are on a date night at some fancy restaurant. Uhura is focused on a weird transmission she had picked up earlier. So while she's preoccupied with this, Spock suggests that they should break up since it might look improper. Uhura snaps out of her preoccupation and asks him to leave. Shortly, a young woman accuses Kirk of flirting with the waitress at another table and she storms away. Kirk sees Uhura by herself, and he tries to join her in the empty seat, but she herself then leaves. Later at a lab, Ahura is focused on trying to clear up this very odd message. She's able to pick up three distinct English words, help us Slayton. Three years later, after the events of the Star Trek 2009 movie, a cadet named Talan is meeting with an admin officer there at Starfleet Academy. She is wishing to leave the school to help her fellow people on New Vulcan. The Tellarite gives her an ultimatum. He will help her transfer to New Vulcan if she will join the Federation team in the upcoming Inter-Academy Exploratory Competition. She agrees, but very reluctantly. So we go back three years in the past. Ahura recruits Chekhov to help her with this mysterious signal. So through some late nights, they're able to triangulate where the signal is coming from. It's coming from somewhere called Wagner 219. Flash forward three years. Talon joins a party that's being held for all the different academies that have come to Earth to participate in the games. Here she meets the Vulcan Academy's representatives, and they are very rude to her, and they accuse her of turning her back on her people. After that, she meets with her Federation teammates. There's two human women named Lucia Gonzalez and Chin. There's an Andorian male named Chev, and an alien, which is the species of Manchizikin, named Kabintrar. They all try to be very nice to her, but she is being very distant and cold, even for a Vulcan. The ceremony begins. 
And there is a lot of talk about how this is the 100th anniversary of Starfleet Academy. And the woman presiding over the ceremony is wishing everyone good luck in the competition. We flash forward three years earlier. Ahura is accessing the term Wagner 219 in her computer. And she discovers that all data to that place is restricted. To be continued. Well, hello, hello, hello. Setup issue. So, uh, we're beating a lot of people, and we're seeing there's going to be a competition, and okay, and we got two different uh, sets of heroes that don't appear to have anything to do with each other. Right. Okay. Two different time frames. And two different time frames, which I didn't get at first. So, yeah, yeah, didn't get that at all. So as I was reading, I really wasn't paying. I mean, they actually say in the book, they have multiple things at tops of pages. I should have looked at it more closely where they say uh, two years later or give a specific date. And by the end of this issue, I did not get that our normal Kelvin Star Trek heroes and this other set of cadets we're at Starfleet Academy at two different time frames. I kept on thinking, well, when are these guys going to get together? You know, right. when, when, when are they going to start overlapping? And then in the second issue, I was looking and reading. It's like, wait, wait a minute. They're in different time periods. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a little less sure how this is going to work out then. Right. Yeah. And uh, you will be interested to find out what happens in the next issues. Yes, exactly. So one thing I really like about this book is uh, I think it has a little bit of a sense of humor, especially in the art style. Mm-hmm. And they always in the background are putting in weird aliens. Hmm. And some of them look like even like aliens from the old cartoon, the Taz cartoon. And then there's other aliens that we've seen before in, in other media. And then there's just creepy looking aliens that we've never seen before. So. Yeah. Uh, any of the group shots when it, I always like to kind of scan around in the background and try to find weird looking aliens. What do you think of the art style? Oh, I love it. It's, it's really, it's really good. It's very clean. It's crisp. It's pretty accurate. Uh, in particular, I think Ahura looks, she's drawn very attractively in this comic. So I think she looks really nice. Yeah. I like the art style. And as far as the people in the background, Yeah. It is interesting to see <laughs> some of the characters, like or the Tellarite, like the boss, the, the the guy who's like the mentor for this new group of cadets. Um, yeah, his his name is. Uh, what's his name? His name is Professor something. Professor X. Ah, shoot, I knew what his name was. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so he's addressing a whole bunch of students and stuff. You know, they, it shows a lot of people and. Kind of interesting to see some of the people in the audience. Quite a bit of variety. There's one guy that has eyes like out. His his skull like goes out like a V, and he's got eyes at the top of it, uh, top of the stalks. Yeah, they show a lot of variety at uh, Starfleet Academy, which is good. Of course, yeah, they we, all they all pretty much though have two arms, two legs, and are humanoid. Well, that is the Star Trek mandate. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I want to know where the um where the rock creatures are. <laughs> where the Hortas are. Exactly. And the what was the crystalline people? 
Ah, oh, man, what were they named? In the web of the web of Tholians. Yeah, oh, the Tholians. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, where, yeah. Where are they going to be? And then uh, isn't on uh, Titan in those stories? Aren't there like aquatic right. uh, crew members and stuff? Okay, so I don't see any of those in the in the audience, but but yeah, it's it's good seeing some of these uh, these pokes. There's there's a melty guy. Yeah, the melty guy gets a lot of FaceTime in the next issue. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, you saw Morn though, right? No, I didn't see Morn. In which issue? Yeah. Uh, first issue, um, when yeah. Kirk's alien girlfriend gets mad and leaves. Oh! Uh, okay. You see in the background Morn sitting there kind of looking over there at him. Uh, on the PDF that you get from Comixology, I have it on page... Uh, what page is this? Wow. I can't find the page number. That's fine. I found it. Uh, five. Okay. Yeah. So, so this alien lady is like, she looks like she's an opera singer or something, just like, like screaming, but she's into the phone or something. I guess she's talking to the phone. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. Morn or, or Morn like, yeah. you know, same species. I like to think that that is a younger Morn. <laughs> just hanging out at the bar. Yeah. He, he's still later, at the bar. Later he'll go to a different bar. Exactly. Yeah. And eventually it being Quarks. Okay, right. cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, I, I, don't, I don't really understand why they had to do the, the splitting of the time frame. I guess mm-hmm. because, I guess if they just tried to do just the Starfleet Academy people, that they wouldn't get uh, the buyers. I mean, so, I, I guess, I'm assuming that that's why they put this in there, is that uh, you're already familiar with Kirk and Ahura, and so you're more likely to buy it versus yeah. a gra- brand new group of people that you don't know. Exactly. So kind of like how they had uh, the Ferengi. What, what's Nog. The, Nog. So in the other Starfleet Academy book, they had Nog in there. So there was somebody you recognize, and then everybody else is new. Right. Yep. That, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, I mean... Now, I haven't read all these issues. So... It, things are coming together. I just hope in the end there's a good story reason to have these two different sets of cadets, two different time periods, eventually coming together, as opposed to them starting first saying, okay, we got new people at Starfleet Academy, but we want to draw in the uh, more people. So let's go ahead. Let's see how we can shoehorn Kirk and company into this. So. Right. I hope in the end the story makes sense why there's two different groups at two different time periods. So we'll find out, but not this week. Not this week. Right. Okay, so what's that thin strip of metal? Or it appears as if there's a thin strip of metal in Spock's hair. Is that supposed to be a reflection? No, I think that's supposed to be a hairband. A hairband? Okay. Yeah, I've never seen him wear anything like that. No. Maybe maybe that's what he wears when he's... Dressed up on a date? I don't know. Is it just decorative, or does it actually have some functionality? I don't know. And what's weird is that maybe it is supposed to be just the reflection. I don't know. But it's just such a pronounced... No. Uh, it, it, and then it switches sides, so that's why I was like, well, it must be oh, a hairband. Oh, man, I gotta so find yeah, where it switches sides. They're on... Uh, oh, it does! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so that okay now now it's ruining it for me. <laughs> okay, so in one panel it's on his left side of the head, only one. The rest of the time it's on the right side of his head from his Always standpoint. On the right, side. right. Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. It threw me off too. Yeah. I guess it's rust-colored, kind of brown, red-brown kind of thing. Maybe maroon, light maroon. And then it's got a white stripe and a few gray stripes and then like a deeper, like maybe a darker red stripe. Anyway, I mean, it looks, it looks like it can't be a reflection. Right. It's very weird. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, a little bit of business that the artist threw in. I'm sure he had something in mind, although I don't know what it is. Okay. Right. So I like the uh, the reference to Voyager with uh, Professor Oh Thr- Thumpkin, whatever Trumbull. Right. Trumbull. His name is. Oh, that's his name. Yeah. So he's talking about uh, being a uh, Parisi Square champion. Oh. Which was a game they always talked about on Voyager. Right. Is it just Voyager or also Next Gen? Uh, I don't know. I okay. remember it in Voyager, but... Well, it, it was some kind of a game that definitely is in the, uh, you know, the, the, the Next Gen time frame. You know, right. the, the 100 years later time period. So, uh, yeah, it looks like an interesting game. And he was a competitor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. So Anyways, is, is I it, thought that was cool. Now, that's not... Is that what Chev was... Oh, we haven't got to that yet. Okay. Well, I have a question later. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I like seeing uh, Gaia dancing inside uh, of... They're on the last page, yeah. Exactly. So that was, that was good drawing. Yeah, I like that she's wearing sweatpants that has the Starfleet uh, Starfleet Academy on it, like you see um, people wear now with whatever yeah. university they're going to. Okay, yeah. Nice to see styles don't change in the future <laughs> for your right. uh, leisure wear. Exactly. At least it, now, if she actually turned around and you could see the back side of the pants, I'm sure it'd probably say uh, juicy on the back. Oh, yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand that either. I mean, it's another, it's a marketing thing, you know, it's a brand. Right. But it's, this, this, this neighbor had like sweatpants and it said juicy across the back cheeks. Mm. And I'm looking at it going, I really should not say anything about this, but I find it unusual. What is, what is stenciled across your butt? Right. Anyway. That one and then pink. Which I never understand because oh. usually the the pants aren't even pink. <laughs> that's that's gray pants with blue letters and it says pink. Yeah, that's a Victoria's Secret on brand your, on your rump. Yep. Oh, is that what it is? It's a Victoria's Secret thing. I, I think that's a Victoria's Secret thing. Yeah. See, I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, is it the is it the singer? I don't understand what's going well, on. Well, that's kind so of what I thought too, people, but I don't so think it is. People have it. I don't think it is either. No. No. I didn't know it was Victoria's Secret. I just assumed it was some sort of brand. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, well, but it's a brand within Victoria's Secret. Gotcha. Okay. So, All right, enough uh, fashion, Kane. Speaking of aliens, mm-hmm. uh, I was interested in seeing that there is a, a member of Dr. Phlox's species, which is, oh, I love which is in multiple panels. 
Yeah, and he just has that big smile on his face usually. Yeah, and he's got the cleft chin kind of thing. I mean, he looks yeah. like a young... He really does look like a young version of uh, John Billingsley. Is it John Billingsley? Whatever. The actor uh, in his uh, flocks makeup. Right. Which we know that can't be the case because this is 100 years later. Exactly. Right. But still, I mean, they, they drew him so he looks very much like Phlox. So I, I figure the artist, who knows, maybe the, maybe the author, is uh, a Dr. Phlox fan. Well, I'm, so what I'm saying, the artist is obviously a fan of everything because they put so much in the background that's just yeah. like – I mean we could probably spend the whole episode just, just talking talk about, about that. the characters yeah. in the background. Right. right. <laughs> some of them good like that one. Some of them bad like uh, there's some aliens that look like they're, I don't know, potato heads with cyborg pieces glued onto their face. Um, right. So some of them don't quite do it for me, but other ones, man, they're just so so awesome just to see – a familiar species in the background. Right. Loved it. Me too. But not only just species, but other ships. So on the display panel where Uhura at the end where Gaia is dancing, uh, my eye was pretty much distracted. But eventually I noticed that also on the display monitor in that panel where Natoya's doing her thing, there is the outline of the NX-01 refit ship. Ah, you're right. I missed that. Which is really interesting that they would put the refit version of it in there with the secondary hull attached on the bottom and looking a bit more like, uh, you know, NCC-1701. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so that's, that's a nice little Easter egg they threw in there for the fans. I didn't even catch it. Good yeah. job, Ken. Well, I, I, I dig ships. And, uh, and, and eventually I spotted it. Okay. So, uh, let's see. So we've got, just, just because they're new characters. So we got Talon, who's the Vulcan, female Vulcan, big brain. Okay. Mm-hmm. We've got Lucia, Lucia Gonzalez, the red-haired human lady. She kind of seems like the unofficial leader of the group. Uh, yeah, but she doesn't push it. Um, yeah, she's not like, oh, I got to be, you know, making all the decisions or something. Not at all. But she does right. seem to be. She seems to be more uh, the more, you know, centrist kind of character. Everybody else has a, you know, a little bit more of a a story or an extreme bit of them, where she seems to be more like the balanced person that you probably could relate to more than any other character. Uh, right. And she seems to be the one that's trying to keep everybody together the most. Right. So Chev, the Andorian with freckles. Really? Freckles? Uh, yeah. He's an engineer, and he's definitely got a chip on his shoulder. Yep. He's a little bit of a hothead. Hothead, exactly. Yeah, and this one, doesn't he tell her that if she can't learn uh, everything that the the former guy had yeah. in 24 or 48 hours then he would find somebody who can right right and he says that but, to to talon yeah. who is like big brain good luck pal yeah i did like her response well if you've programmed it i'm pretty sure i can learn any nice nice and then we got grace chen who's the uh small she looks asian Lady, 
And she's got the exoskeleton on that she built herself. Pretty cool. So she's kind of like the Geordie sort of. But, uh, you know, with instead of visors, she's got the exoskeleton. See, okay. I thought that was just part of her costume. I did not catch that that was the exoskeleton. Yeah, I, I think she's got some kind of uh, leg problems or something where she can't walk without it. Right, interesting. Yeah, because I do remember Talon saying, I- I'd look forward to seeing your exo rig. Hmm. But I was like, oh, okay, so she has a mech somewhere? Okay, I guess we'll see that later. <laughs> but now that you say that, I'm looking at her pants, and yeah, that's definitely some sort of uh, brace right. with robotic pieces to it. Right. Interesting. Uh, unfortunately, I think she's the least developed out of the five. Yeah, yeah, they're not spending a lot of time on her, definitely in this issue. But she'll do more as we as we proceed. And yeah, then still not as much as the other ones. Yeah, I don't. Well, think. Yeah, yeah. Well, you probably can't give everybody equal time, right? But or yeah, I guess you could, but they usually tend to focus on a small number of people a lot of time. Like like Talon. Talon is getting an awful lot of screen time. Yeah, she's the main character. Yeah, and then Vel Kabentyar. Or whatever. So he's the tall, bug-eyed alien. Right. And um, we'll see more from him. I don't think they get into it this one. But I think in the next one we find out that he has an interesting verbal... uh, I don't want to call it a tick. But he does something with talking that, uh, that I found very funny. Anyway... Right. So I, I find it interesting that uh, I think he's supposed to be related to that uh, to that same species alien that's on the Enterprise in Star Trek. Uh, this is really- oh, No, he was on the Kelvin, right? That's oh, right. He was on the Kelvin. Okay, okay. Yeah. So he, they're supposed to be related, I guess, because they have the same last name. The Kabintar is uh, the other guy's name, too. Because I had to look it up because I didn't know what species he was. So I looked it up on Memory Beta. Okay. And they have them both with the same last name. So I, either either that's a very common name or these two guys are related somehow. Huh. Okay. So is he a background guy on the bridge or something? Because I don't recognize him movie? as having speaking uh, parts. No, he never speaks in the movie. Okay. But he's there. Uh, I think he's on the – maybe he pilots the ship or something that, that – uh, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, he might cool. be on the shuttle when they leave um, Earth. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I've okay. seen him. Cool. I've seen him, and I think he's even been in the comic book. Okay. The ongoing from back in the day, back when it first started. Cool. So, anyways, uh, but yeah, so the 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 verbal thing it's it's interesting because uh, we never heard him talk, or he never heard his ancestor talk or right. relative, whatever. So, right. We'll talk about it more next issue. Cool. That's all I got for this one. All right, same here. Okay. Let's mosey on to issue number two. Okay, so this one was published date January 2016. Um, I think everybody's the same. Uh, I didn't actually compare them. I think everybody's the same. Let's move on. Okay, covers. So we have three covers. The first one, the main cover, features in the upper half uh, Chev armed with a phaser and making action hero moves, while another cadet has a phaser pointed right at him. 
They appear to be playing Parisi's squares or something with phasers. The lower right shows uh, Kirk and Uhura, who look like they are undercover and about to be caught doing something sneaky. The retailer incentive cover features Uhura holding a pad of some kind within the Starfleet swoosh. It's very colorful. Lots of oranges and reds and, and things like that in the color scheme. So not realistic coloring, but it's, it's, it's pretty. On the bottom are the new kids on the block, the new group. Uh, the Starfleet race team that so far seem totally separate from our normal set of heroes. And they're arranged in a variety of casual poses on the bottom of the cover. Cover is uh, done by George Kalt Sodas. The third one is a subscription cover, which shows Uhura and Spock standing back-to-back in red Starfleet Academy uniforms of some kind. They look like they may be more casual. It's nice. Uh, This one is by Elizabeth Beals. Uhura is in the Academy dining hall with Chekhov drinking coffee or something in a white cup. She is still trying to get to the bottom of those 100-year-old distress signals she picked up. She tells Chekhov how the Starfleet brass gave her some BS explanation when she ran her findings up the chain of command. Phonic echo, they called it. They say they'll follow up, but Uhura says they are hiding something. Her research so far points to Wagner 219 that Chekhov says is in restricted space. Ahura says that's even more evidence of a cover-up. If you don't want anyone to find out about something, put it in restricted space. Or if you can't move it, make the space around it restricted. Chekhov is nervous enough about poking around in an area Starfleet apparently does not want discovered, so he apologizes to Ahura, but says he can't help her any further. Chekhov leaves, but Kirk and McCoy happen to walk past. She gets Kirk to help her. Two years later, in 2261, Chev is taking part in a zero-G shooting competition that is part of the Academy Centennial Games. It's one of many competitions that tests a cadet's skill vital to a Starfleet officer's success. Lucia, Grace, Vel, and Talan are watching Chev's progress with interest. We find out that Vel's alien people normally communicate via sense, not verbally, so he tends to overcompensate by talking a lot. Chev does very well, but in the end loses to an Andorian girl he knows from childhood. She bounces a shot off the semi-transparent shell of the Zero-G arena. They discuss how Chev will be livid losing like this. He is so driven to succeed and never show weakness due to his family being so against him joining Starfleet. He must prove his decision was correct. They also discuss how Talan's entire family was killed when Vulcan was destroyed by Nero. Cut to the past as Kirk and Uhura discuss next steps, as well as their mutual motivations to get to the bottom of the mystery signal. In the end, Uhura says no one's final words should go unheard. Cut to the future, where Grace is the team's entrant in a difficult piloting contest. Her remarkable performance breaks an academy record and wins first place in the race and second place in the overall competition. 
Lucia is next and wins first place in the first hour of a knowledge competition. After the pressure of the competition, they all go to a party that night. Talan tells Lucia this is the first party she has ever been to. Lucia is shocked, particularly since she has been at the academy for two years already. A Rigelian smooth operator comes up to Talan with a drink in each hand. He makes his pitch, but is shot down in flames when Talan simply states she does not want to mate with him. She promptly leaves the party to prepare for the competition. Jumping to the past, Kirk and Uhura enter the Starfleet archives by name-dropping Dr. McCoy's name and saying that they are there to research Klingon biological records. The archive librarian lets them into specific sections of the archive, but only specific sections. A nasty, huge guard leads them into a room and gives them access to an uploaded copy of the Klingon samples they requested. On his way out, the guard tells them to stay where they are and not to leave the room until the escort returns. As soon as the guards leave, Kirk tells Ahura they're leaving the room. In the future, the team minus Talan is enjoying the party. Lucia tells the others she does not see Talan, so maybe she hit it off with that smooth-talking Rigelian she was with. It's Shev, of all people, who reminds her she is talking about Talan. She probably left the party and is doing something that is the exact opposite of fun. Indeed, Talan is working at a computer terminal, working out the best route for them to take during the upcoming scavenger hunt. It's worth the most points of all the events in the competition, and Talan logically concludes they must win. While plotting possible courses, a red warning comes up stating that Wagner 219 is a quarantined system. Cutting through that system would shave off time. She tries to find out more about the off-limits system and comes across an audio file that she plays. Whoever is listening to this, this is Cadet Natoya Ohura. I've detected an unusual signal originating in Wagner 219. I think there's something about the system that Starfleet doesn't want us to know. Talan utters the word fascinating. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So finally, you think they're going to somehow tie into each other, these two story threads? You think so? I mean, it sounds like the tie in, right? Hmm. 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 Okay. So, okay, so it's it's a bit of a jump that Talan found this recording and is playing it back. But I got to go back to the beginning and say, okay, so Ohura purpose, purposely recorded that message in hopes of a random cadet hearing it? Really? I don't know. Well, okay, so, but, but why did she do that? Did she think she was going to be kidnapped by Starfleet security and mind-wiped of all the info? <laughs> Regated to Wag- Wagner 219? Right. I mean, why is she recording that? I don't get it. 
Okay, so the last time we saw them, she and Kirk were being accosted by a guard from behind. You know, they left the room and they're walking, right. and right. and and somebody's calling to them from behind. I assume it's the same guard, but so, um, okay. So they're still in prison. So none of the events in Star Trek 2009 after the Starfleet Academy thing actually happened because they're still in prison, and she's trying to break out. That's where the recording. Well, goes. okay, yeah, that's another. That's another good point. You know, so, I mean, she wasn't put in prison. She wasn't put on ice, and she wasn't, well, maybe she was, she was mind-wiped. But, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, that, it's very good for the, for the plot of the story that that recording was there. I just don't get the logic behind making it. Right. Uh, it's just their way of tying in these two stories, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and hopefully I, it pays off. Right, and I do like this issue just because they've introduced everything, they've set things up, and now the story's unfolding. There's some there's some momentum going now, so I like this issue better than the last one. And I think I like this issue less than the last one. Because, oh, okay. I mean, and and not to say I don't like it because I like it a lot, mm-hmm. but this to me felt more like the montage episode, mm-hmm. montage mm-hmm. and fun story. Right? There's a party, they're all dancing. It's very happy and then all the montage of all the different events you know kind of yeah. harry potter-ish where it's just okay like, meanwhile over here they're doing this and while over here they're doing this and sometimes we win and sometimes we lose and now we're having a party it just very it's very fast-paced but i don't think it necessarily moves the story along all that well i think the next door the next issue is the one that really does that well we're finally seeing some evidence of a link between the two storylines so i think that moves the story forward Well, and, uh, and, and, and at way. least at least we're moving through the competition, but I do agree it's very formulaic. Right. You know, we got our team; they're in a competition. Okay, we got to see what happens in the in the individual competition. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, they win some, they lose some. Okay, fine, got got that. Um, and then we got the party, which all young people do, except for Talon. Right. <laughs> she didn't like it. Yeah, uh, uh, that that Rigelian. Very interesting look to that guy's face. But um, I just love how matter-of-fact she is. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if that was his goal or not. But uh, Oh, of course. Are you kidding? Oh, yes, yeah, it was his goal. <laughs> He's the right Jillian version of Kirk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So <laughs> she just cuts right to the chase, cuts through his bull, uh, BS. Uh, I do not, not want to mate with you. I do not want to mate with you. Like, oh, that is really oh, that's that's rejection. That's right. tough. There's no sugarcoating on that <laughs> on that rejection. Anyway, I did like in the party scene where it shows a uh, I don't remember the species name, but Rx's species with the three arms. He's a, a DJ, so he's got ah, three right. tables going on at the same time. Exactly. That was pretty cute. Yeah, uh, but even today, you know, a lot of DJs just use their 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 laptops to cue things right. up. So it's kind of it's kind of funny that that far in the future they would still be uh, having something that kind of looks like they're spinning wax. You know. Yeah, but these are floating um, light discs. So yeah, it's not quite the same thing. It's holographic, right? Right. So it's just it's just the control mechanism. 
And he's got his he's got his cool glasses on and oh man. DJ mix a lot. And then the alien dancing and over explaining everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, right. Yeah. He really reminded me of did you ever see the movie uh Home? It was a animated movie that came out a few years ago. I don't think I have. H O M E? Yeah, right. Okay. No. Yeah. So basically it's these little aliens and, and they they come to Earth to destroy it or whatever, and this this one that's played by um, oh I can't remember his name, the guy who played Sheldon on um, Big Bang Theory. Oh, uh, Jim, okay. Jim Parsons. Okay, so he's so he, he does the voice thing. Yeah, he he plays the main main alien, and he and he talks a lot a lot like this, where he's oh, like over explaining everything, <laughs> and uh, so every time this guy talked, who looks nothing like the the home alien, yeah, but. It was his voice that I was hearing, like, <laughs> my hands are in the air like they just don't care. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's funny. You should watch it. It's actually a pretty good movie. Steve Martin plays the leader of the uh, the Boove, which is the aliens that are going to come take over. Okay. And they're very simple-minded uh, little guys. They're, it's a cute movie. Okay, cool. So it's, is, it, is it a kid's movie? Or it's like a kid's movie, but all, but adults can like it too? Uh, I would say adults like it too. Okay, it's not as good as like the Toy Stories and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's up there. Cool. Okay. I do like Jim Parsons, and I love Steve Martin. Yeah, right. So, That's a twofer right there. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, I guess my last comment is um, they got some really nasty-looking aliens as guards in the Starfleet archives. Um, they just look like rock guys. Well, I know big. Lug, oh, you mean nasty as in like just... nasty rock guy? Uh, yeah, I mean he, he. I mean it's Star. He's somebody that works for Starfleet, but he looks like a total thug, right? Which I guess if you really want to protect things, uh, you know, sensitive information, I guess it's good to use somebody like that. But um, it's like wow. I mean, this big, huge chin on him, and he just looks nasty. Right. Yeah. I thought he looked like uh, like Lurch or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah. you talked about the art style being very, very clean. Um, to me, it really lends itself to animation. I could see this being these animated cells. Everything's very crisp. Everything's, uh, you know, straight lines, mm-hmm. or not straight lines, but very pronounced lines. Very like well-defined. Wrinkles on his face are just like lines on a on a thing. It's mm-hmm. not shading and things like that. Which, right. which I like animation, so I really dug all this all this uh, artwork. Um, and you see, you said you seem to like it too. Yeah, I do. Only my only my only comment is that some of the panels, almost especially with the chev freak, uh wrinkles or the the freckles. It just it just reminds me a little bit like an Archie's comic. Don't say Archie. Oh my goodness. It does. <laughs> just a little bit. Doesn't it? Eh. Is it just me? I don't know. Well, in that he has wrinkles, sure. No, no, freckles. <laughs> freckles, yeah, excuse yeah. me. Anyway, so I just Okay, so I'll Okay, fine. I won't say it again. <laughs> no, I can see it. And, and that art style also is very I don't want to say simple because it's not necessarily simple, but it's a, that's that style. It's very, it's 
very straightforward, right? The right. design. It's not a lot of. It's not like watercolored or anything. Like that. It's just. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like cell painting. Like cell. Yeah. Cell paintings from a, a cartoon. Yeah. Not a lot of airbrushing going on. Okay. Right. So that's all I got on this one. Uh, my one thing is uh, the whole Chev thing. His mm-hmm. his fight. Um, you know it. it Spoiler alert! It doesn't go anywhere. This whole thing about him and his this this other woman that they know each other from since they're both from Andoria, right? Uh, you think that they're setting something up, yeah, like a romance, this, a budding romance kind of thing, or not even a romance, just some sort of rivalry or something. But oh, rivalry, rivalry turning never, to love. She never shows back up. Oh, okay. So you've you've read all five. I have not. Right. So I'm trying not to spoil anything for you, but mm-hmm. since we won't. Talk about I won't I, when we finish the fifth issue I won't be like remember in issue two that woman that was, <laughs> so I'll just throw it out here now that uh, when I was reading this I was like okay yeah so that something will come back up later and these will either you know team up or somehow uh, he'll you know reconcile with her mm-hmm. you know nope this is it last page <laughs> you see her okay and then um, I did like how when uh, was it Gonzalez or Garcia, mm-hmm. I forgot her last name. Uh, when she's doing the uh, questionnaire thing that they seem to be in, like those little chairs from Men in Black, those little egg-shaped chairs. Oh, right, right. Yeah, like like the '60s kind of uh, thing, quote unquote future. <laughs> '60s future look. Exactly. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So that w- was Grace. That was Grace, right? Uh yeah right right, right. Okay. so Grace Chen no was that Grace I thought so I thought she was the pilot no she's the pilot Grace Chen is the pilot uh this is the Lucia Lu- Lucia oh, Lucia right. okay Lucia okay right right cool yeah and she right. and she looks I mean her her physical actions look very animated so her arms are out and she's like in your face right. I love it. <laughs> I think she's competitive. Right. Okay. Yeah, which made me sad because out of all of them, like, Chev uh, is like the only one who actually lost. And so I was like, well, he's going to have to redeem himself some way because the rest of them are going to win. And yet he's going to be the, the weak link. And then at the end, he's going he's gonna to be the strong one that pulls them all out. So uh, this one did set up a lot of stuff that I thought would, would uh, come up further. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, shall we move on to three? Let's do it. All right, so next up is Star Trek Starfleet Academy issue number three, which came out February of 2017. The art and writing and letters and edits are all the same, so we won't go over that again. So, as last time, there's three covers. First one shows Talan touching a tree, and to the left of the tree, we see the Kelvin faces of Ahura, Spock, and Kirk. And to the right, we see three of her Starfleet associates. Cover two looks kind of like an old 80s portrait type shot. So we see the silhouette of Ahura and then kind of kind of mixed in with that same silhouette facing the other way is Talan. And then cover three is, is kind of the fun cover. It shows all of the new cadets that we've just been introduced to the last couple issues. And they're having a picnic. So they're playing with little chipmunks and doing other little fun picnic-y type stuff. 
So the story starts with Ahura uh, sneaking into that restricted area as the last issue ended. And uh, she gets caught by a guard. And then she tries to be like all bossy and like, how dare you stop me? Uh, send, take me to a correct terminal kind of thing. But that doesn't seem to work. But luckily, Kirk shows up, and being the chummy guy that he is, he actually knows this guard, and he's able to sweet-talk their way into those restricted terminals. We now get one of the greatest flashbacks of all time. We see the NX-05 Slayton starship, so it looks a lot like the NX-01 Enterprise. Uh, it's just in space, covered with a cloud of some sort. And we found out that the ship is captured in some sort of anomaly in Wagner 219. They've been stuck there for a while, and they are unable to move or communicate with the outside world. The morale is so bad that while the captain is recording another log to try to send out to the cosmos for help, the chief engineer storms on the bridge with some fellow crewmen, and they inform the captain of a mutiny. So we flash back to Kirk's time, and Kirk and Ahura have just heard all of this in the recording. Ahura wants to go public with this information. The people have a right to know. But Kirk says that there's nothing good from doing that, and he actually says that he's out. She can do what she wants. So we flash forward three years. And we're now in the medical part of the academy competition. So all of the cadets are given a man who is injured and bleeding out. They are asked to stabilize him. All the other school's participants are bandaging and stopping the wound with other ways. But the alien named Kabintrar instead asks for an IV of cold saline. Once it's all over, the Federation's is informed that they lost the competition because they were not focusing on stopping the blood flow. He points out that uh, he did put the patient in hypothermia, which then caused his blood pressure to lower and his brain to not need as much oxygen, so that he would then have more time to correctly mend the wound. So after some analysis, he's proven correct, and even though he didn't technically win the award, he is given some extra points for creativity. We now flash to the transporter section of the games. Each cadet is being tasked with beaming up an away team from a hostile planet and worrying about having to beam through some deadly ion clouds. Talan is working hard, but then the Vulcan team is able to beam the crew members up through the cloud. This causes all kinds of physical damage to the people that he just beamed up. Even though he wins, he may have purposely he may have permanently disabled them. We flash back three years. Ohura is brought out of class to meet with Admiral Marcus. He is furious that she has accessed the Slayton files. She says that the people have a right to know. He points out that the chief of engineering was Admiral Sommer's son, and they do not necessarily need the public to know that one of the heads of Starfleet's son was also leading a mutiny aboard a starship. He's about to pass judgment for her actions when Spock arrives with some new information. Flash forward three years, Talan is visiting a tree planted there in San Francisco to memorialize Vulcan's destruction. 
Talan talks to Professor Trumbull, and he tells her, or, and she tells him how she left for the Academy only days before Vulcan was destroyed. He tells her about the Vulcan tree that they're standing in front of, which is normally orange when it's on Vulcan, but here it's flourishing on Earth, and it has changed its color to blue. He says that being somewhere new will change you, and sometimes for the better. Later, the next phase of the challenge has begun. Each team is assigned to a sleek-looking shuttle to do a galactic scavenger hunt. The first team back will win. To be continued. Okay. So obviously the best part is the flashback to what happened to the Slayton and the fact that it's NX-05. Although I gotta say, I'm a little surprised that they're already, like, you know, four more ships were made since the Enterprise, and they, at least from the one shot we've got of it, it looks pretty much the same. Yep. I mean, if it's still an NX, it, it, it's mm-hmm. still experimental, if it if it's, has the NX in front of it, and you'd think they'd be changing things a bit. I mean, I'm sure there's changes inside, but from the outside, it looks pretty much the same as Archer's ship. Um, yeah, pretty much. I think the nacelles look a little different. They Do look they? More, I don't know. They have the grating or something on them or something. But uh, but no, I mean, even the uniforms look exactly the same. So it can't be that much later than Archer's time. Right. So. Yeah. It's just that let's, you know, maybe at some point you're not doing the NX anymore. And, and of course they do. I just kind of wonder when they transition off of the NX designation. Uh, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, but being an X kind of fan guy, mm-hmm. I, I was a little disappointed to see that it was called NX05 because in the um, novels, mm-hmm. the uh, Romulan War novels, uh, there is an NX05 in that one, and it's the uh, Atlantis. Oh, huh. So a little should have little continuity problem. Make it an NX06 or something, man, or four or something. Just do something different. Yeah, so I'm wondering, wonder why they did that. I guess they just didn't know. Oh, what? Why they made this one 05 also with a different name? Yeah, they didn't know. I mean, come on, continuity. I mean, you only go go so far, right? I mean, even within a, a comic book company, there's probably mistakes made, and this is, you know, I'm sure the book publishers like Penguin or somebody totally different. Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up, but in the last issue, uh, there was a error in the time frame jump. Mm-hmm. So in one of the first panels in issue number two, it says two years later, when everywhere else it's always said three. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's just a little mistake. Not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that, but I just, like, okay, well. Yeah. I, two so, to, two anyway. to three years, fine, whatever. <laughs> right, I'm, sh- I'm assuming that it's not two years or three years to the day, to the month, to the hour. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking that the time frame of a horror story is going a lot faster. That time's moving a lot faster for her than it is for. <laughs> because right. really, the new group is only doing one event. Where exactly she she could have had a whole year to do all this research and get caught and all that. Other exactly. Stuff. And she keeps on losing partners. So you know. First Chekhov, and then Kirk. Um, right. 
and so and so does she keep pushing right i was happy to see marcus though oh that was great and and he's drawn to look like um like the actor um, peter weller Weller, exactly right so that's cool although i never got the feeling that uh kirk or ahura or Spock even knew Admiral Marcus before in the darkness. No. No, like they'd never met. Right. But here we're to believe that they've all been to his office. They've all – they're on a first-name basis with him. Or at least maybe not a first-name basis. No. But he's he, he knows who they are, and they know who he is. Yet in, in the darkness, I kind of felt like they were meeting him for the first time. Right. And, of course, they know who he is. He's a, sure. he's a pretty high-ranking admiral. But uh, him know them, it did not seem like they knew him. And, but really, did, did he really directly interact with Ahura? Definitely Kirk, but Ahura? In the movie? In um, movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But when they were talking to him on the view screen, she never once turned to Kirk and said, Hey, Kirk, remember that time when we were in the academy <laughs> and we got sent to the principal's office? Yeah, yeah see, that, that would have been – that might have come up. Yeah. And by the way, it's interesting. I mean – Okay, so you've got the administration for Starfleet Academy, mm-hmm. and then you've got Starfleet headquarters. I mean, that's not the same buildings, right? I mean, they're different right. buildings, different administration. It's kind of odd because odd. I mean, I'm guessing that you know Marcus is not nor, does not normally mess with the academy, right? I mean, he's busy like taking care of perceived threats from the Klingons or whatever. Even back here, he's probably pretty up there as far as, oh, yeah. uh, you know, in power in a powerful position. Yet he's taking the time to deal with cadets. So it either is kind of weird and it shouldn't happen, or it's underscoring how important this is, that he would take the time to deal with this cadet. Right. Hmm. I just I just assumed it was in there because they wanted to throw in another familiar face into the book. So oh well, yeah, yeah, to generate course. some sales. Oh, of course, of, of course, that's why they did it. But I'm just—I mean, they didn't need to. All they had to do was throw that NX zero one uh, type ship on the front. Yeah, would have sold like hotcakes, kid. <laughs> they couldn't have kept them on the shelves. Exactly. With Enterprise being the best series of the entire franchise, uh, it's the most underrated one. Oh, well, sure. I'll, I'll definitely say that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I really hate when groupthink happens and then everybody just – I think we might have talked about this before when it comes to in, Into Darkness. But there's like this groupthink that happens where if there's enough people saying, that sucks, you know, people tend to pile on. Right. Unjustifiably or mm-hmm. sometimes justifiably, but oftentimes unjustifiably. I liked Enterprise quite a bit. Good stuff. Yeah, Good stuff. I thought it was. Okay, so I'm I'm looking forward to what happens next with the whole Uhura thing. Does she accept this explanation or what, or does she still keep pushing? Right. Even after losing Chekhov and Kirk's help. Well, let me tell you, um, the Borg show up. <laughs> Mr. I read the last two issues. So me not reading, reading the last two issues, I'm looking forward to finding out what, what she does next. Right. And just to give a little context to people who aren't in every single one of our conversations we've ever had, <laughs> uh, anytime I've read something that Ken hasn't, uh, I always say, uh, 
well, then the Borg show up and this happens. <laughs> uh, anytime Ken reads something ahead of me, he just tells me what happens. No, not always. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, he's just like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to really like it when. <laughs> and I'm like, well, surely he didn't Stop tell me Stop ruining really it for me! And then it did. I don't <laughs> always do that. I don't always ruin it for you. Although often. I'll, I'll admit to that. I'll cop to that. Anyways, but yeah, I'm really liking the the, the mysterious uh, Slayton storyline. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the paint by numbers competition part of the storyline, but yeah. I really like the Slayton thing. And now that uh, maybe the cadets will be uh, you know going somewhere near Wagner two one nine. Yeah, she was plotting a course there. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe something maybe something happens. Be, maybe they maybe find out. Maybe there's more. a revelation. Exactly. Maybe maybe they'll find that the Franklin <laughs> Slayton. <laughs> Come on, you can't tell me that there was a lot of similarities between this uh the the a little bit. Slayton being stuck in a nebula versus the Franklin being stuck in a nebula and Yeah, yeah. I I half expected them to find out that they're taken over by vampire aliens and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> well. Spoiler that's not how it happens, but I was, Still, you were expecting I was it. thinking that it could happen. You were I thinking like, that. I said, maybe Simon Pegg just read this issue, and then he just like, hey, that was good. Let's put it in the movie. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing the, the true ending with you next week. Yes. Yes, very good. Uh, I also like the Slayton part because they're talking about the incident that prompted the creation of Starfleet Academy. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because, I mean, they've got, na- you know, today they have the Naval Academy where, you know, officers, you know, they, Naval officers, they're, they're training them up. So I always thought from that standpoint, well, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't you have a Starfleet Academy? But right. apparently we didn't have one. And this incident prompted um, Admiral Summers or Sumners, right. whatever, Summers. Yeah. to um, to establish Starfleet Academy. So, cool. We got a little origin story for Starfleet Academy. Right. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And then it made me think, I was like, so none of the people on Enterprise had gone through the Academy. They were just a bunch of... Flying uh, by the seat of the pants. Cowboy yokels. That exactly. Are Apparently. Doing it. Apparently. Yeah. Which actually then made, made it even more cooler. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. I never thought about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, um, that, you know, so so new that they just took people that were good in whatever field that was and were like, we're putting you on a ship. Yeah. Well, in Enterprise, the first season of Enterprise, as we're seeing all the folks come together, the crew come together and stuff. Um, did they? I don't remember. Did I mean, they they all seem to kind of come from I mean, there was no there was no Starfleet back then. Right. Right. OK. And and they didn't get training through Starfleet Academy. So nope. did they talk about where they came from? I mean, did they all come from NASA or something? I don't remember. Well, Mayweather came from piloting um, oh, cargo, yeah, ships. cargo ships. So uh, uh, a private uh, right. spacefaring uh, background. But what about um, – okay, so Archer was involved in developing uh, the, the warp engine program. Um, 
which makes him sound more like a engineer. And I, I'm embarrassed if all this was made very clear, but that makes him sound like more of an, uh, a project manager engineer than a military naval person or military person. Right. Huh. I guess I should have thought about this more. Oh, well. <laughs> Cool. Uh, cool. So did you ca- did you catch the one other piece of name dropping in this issue? Um, what Krem? Uh, no. When um, you'll have to tell me who Krem is later. But when I guess she's the commander. I don't know. But she gets shot in the back, and he says Bashir. Oh, so I'm wondering if she's supposed to be a relative of Julian uh, or an ancestor of Julian Bashir. Huh. Interesting. Yes, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I I didn't remember that. And who's Krim? There's a spot in one of the Starfleet Academy lectures where there's a reference to Archer, and he mentions oh, right, right, Krim. Right. So what? Where is that? I'm I'm actually looking for that. Okay, here. And thus we can only speculate as to the identity of the attackers, Captain Archer's. Dis- okay, uh, the attackers. Captain mm-hmm. Archer's description of the alien known as Krem paints a colorful portrait of an alien marauder. But we... So that's as far as he went. And he name-dropped right. Krem. And it was like, Krem, Krem, Krem. An alien known as Krem. Hmm. I didn't remember exactly what that was, but obviously it came out of an episode of, uh, 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 of Enterprise. So yeah, I did Krem. a little research, and... Right. Oh, you want to talk? Or you want to... No, 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 go ahead. Okay. So Krem apparently was a Ferengi. So... Memory Alpha says that he was a Frangi who was part of a pirate ship crew that incapacitated Archer's NX-01 and tried to loot it. So, again, interesting. They didn't even know what species the Frangi were, apparently. And so even here, years later, uh, they still don't know who uh, or what the Frangi species is. Yep, I like that. Yeah. Because in the next generation, they they say that they had only uh, they only um, they had first contact with the Ferengi, and they give a date, and it's somewhere between Star Trek Six and Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm. So okay, so when that when that episode happened on on Enterprise, and the Ferengi were in it, I was like, oh no, they're screwing up with the time. <laughs> and then when they the way they made that episode, so that you know when it was all over. Archer still didn't know who they were. Right. I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" They, they, so they, they took that one throwaway line from the first season of the Next Generation, and they kept to it. So they didn't necessarily uh, just, you know, poop all over the timeline mm-hmm. like I like like yeah. I was worried. Right. I, I love that episode just because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, the other alien, the other Ferengi, all the Ferengi in that episode were played by. Um, famous Star Trek actors. Um, so I think that uh, that Neelix was one of the Ferengi. Oh, really? Yeah. Or I so this a... was an... Exp- uh, what, what? Who played a Ferengi, you just said? The guy who played Neelix. And, uh, oh, 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 right, right. So there was an ex- it was an excuse to have a uh, yeah, an old was... home week. Right, right. For the, uh, a little... little... Yeah, I, there was there was three of them. I can't. I'm trying to remember who the other right. ones were. Because of course, some of the producers on Enterprise came from uh, 
Voyager. Right. Or maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. I'm cool. going to go watch that episode now. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, but I, would, I wouldn't have remembered the name. I'm glad you, you brought it up. Well. I, I, I was reading that, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. I didn't know what it was either, but they mentioned the name, and it was like, well, that's, this seems like something important. Let me let me check into this. So, Good job. Okay, so the Academy training ship looks pretty cool that apparently they're going to be using in the next issue that I haven't read yet, but you have. So <laughs> uh, I, I, I love ships, ships and, ships and firearms, and uh, this one looks very cool, very smooth around. It is weird to see that they have to wear environmental suits while inside of it. Yeah, is that a safety thing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You never see that when anybody else pilots a ship. Yeah. Especially a shuttle. But it makes you wonder... Because I have not read the next issues, but you have. Are they going to have some decompression thing or some need to have environmental suits? Right. Because well, when the when the Borg show up, <laughs> it's, it's pretty intense. Kid. There you go. Okay. All right. Anything else? Um, it struck me uh, what a spoiled brat Talon seems to be acting like. Uh-huh. She's a spoiled brat, so she's talking about leaving again. So she, she, she. Oh, that event placed me in a no-win situation. That's just unfair. I'm leaving. I'm taking my my football with me. So uh, that's 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 what that's what I'm getting out of it. Well, she wanted to leave before. It just it hasn't changed her mind. She's going to finish the competition, but then she still wants to leave. I know, but she's just a whiny little person, right? I was surprised that, uh, you know, she says that her parents were the ones that wanted her to come to Earth and mm-hmm. experience things new. Right. And as soon as her parents are dead, then she's suddenly like, well, I have to go back to New Vulcan and, you know, help my my, my race out. Yeah. Which I get. That Completely. That is something that you should do. But I did think it was funny that she made such a big deal that her that's not what her parents wanted her to do. And now that they're dead and they can't voice what they want her to do anymore – She's just going to do what I guess she wanted to do, which is go back home, st- stay on Vulcan, and and right. and not expand like this blue tree. Right. Well, so I, I, I will also say that this is a completely new planet, a new planet Vulcan, and there's all kinds of challenges involved with trying to, you know, resettle and rebuild uh, sure. your your people's home. So right. it isn't all just like oh you won't experience anything. Oh yeah. Right. You know, try to build a civilization again on a, on a whole new planet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which is why it made sense when Spock was saying that he wanted to go back. Right. right? Exactly. He felt like he needed to go back. And, um, and it kind of makes sense, you know? Yeah. I don't want to see him go, but it kind of makes sense. Right. Well. Yeah. You got to, uh, you know, and, and not to be too indelicate about it, but, you know. You need you need that next generation of uh, young Vulcans pretty quick. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know how many families were off Vulcan when it blew up, but I'm I'm pretty sure that there's not a, a huge number of children. Right. You know, because then they say they beam the council off the the high council, but I don't remember them saying, "Oh, and we got like you know three elementary schools worth of kids." No, <laughs> <they> just... <laughs> So, well, yeah, obviously they, they rescued as many people as they could with the ships available, but... Well, there was only Enterprise available. 
because all the other ships were destroyed. Oh, come on. The only ship. They got, they got civilian ships. I, 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 really, I really think... Yeah. I mean, well, you know. I mean, there's a whole fleet of Vulcan ships that are taking them to, you know, in that comic book. Right, right. Arc. So obviously they had ships. Just not but enough if, for everybody. But if Nero was able to take out that whole Federation fleet that quickly, you would think that he would have already taken out any Vulcan fleet that was coming up yeah. to protect the planet. I'm thinking that the Enterprise is the only one that scooped people up. I mean, maybe I don't Han think that's was there and, and took uh, out a few, no. you know, from no, the cantina. No, I don't know, no, but no, 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 no. And I know th- there were some, some. There were probably plenty of Vulcan ships that were nowhere around Vulcan at the time of the attack. So there are some of them, uh, but that didn't those get destroyed by Nero. that didn't get destroyed by Nero. But they couldn't save anybody either. So, right. so that accounts right. for some of the ships we read in the later comic. Right. Um, but I'm just saying they probably don't have a bunch of kids. I'm, I, don't I, think I, a, I don't think fine. kids was their number one. Well, it should be priority. It should have been, yeah. But you never saw them. Yeah. Well, there, there's probably plenty of civilian ships, not military ships, that were around and could have gotten people off, even small ships. Sure. Um, and plus, you know that you do have. You need to have what was it, Battlestar Galactica? There was like a magic number that uh, that President. Uh, I forgot her name. Had up on the board like uh, right. thirty-two thousand or twenty-three thousand, whatever. It was the critical mass of a variety of the gene pool necessary um, to, you know, rebuild somewhere else. Right. Uh, you, you can't just build from Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, two people. Uh, you know, you need more more diverse gene pool. So. They must have had more people that got off the planet. But I guess they could mess around with uh, genetic manipulation, but whatever. So, moving on. So anyways, just saying, they need some some additions to the gene pool. They do. They do. So you get back there and, like McCoy was saying, pumping out little Vulcans. (laughs) Did he say that? Well, in Beyond, something like that. Uh, You know, in his (laughs) insensitive way. I love McCoy. I love McCoy. And the beginning, the beginning of or when uh, for his for Kirk's birthday, McCoy comes in with that scotch that he stole out of Chekhov's locker. <laughs> it's like, what? Wait a minute! He stole it out of his locker. Yeah, no, that's not cool. Be, I thought you would be a vodka guy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like that. I mean, I like that they drink. Instead of like Synthahall or something. And, but McCoy, you stole it from his locker. Mm. Anyway, whatever. Good stuff, good stuff. Yes. And isn't he kind of still pretty young? But I, I guess he's of drinking age. Anyway. Check off? Check off. Yeah. He's still supposed to be pretty young. Anyway. Ah, oh, let's see. So, yeah, is there anything else? No, that's all my. My comments. Oh, I will say one thing. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this. So when Talon was met one of the lead jerks from the Vulcan delegation, the, the Vulcan mm-hmm. team, and had said that, that stuff about, hey, you should be uh, you know, helping Vulcan instead of here in Starfleet. 
I was thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be so great when she gets back at these doofuses, when she, when she beats them. And, ah. But that's not what happened, at least not in these first three issues. She lost to them. Right. So it was even more in your face. But, of course, obviously he is, the, he is uniquely the prodding stick that gets her want, wanting to leave in two ways, facing her you know, disrespecting her the first time they meet, and then beating her in the competition. Right. So. Yeah, which made it more realistic. I mean, yeah. You don't always win. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Even though that's what, you know, that, that's the typical kind of narrative manipulation that writers do, don't they? They bring down the hero, and then when they bring him back up again, they have them beat you know, the person that, that put them low. Right. But not in this story. So I like that. Yeah. I liked it too. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. That Mike Johnson, he knows how to write. I think he does. He's good. All right. Anything else, Ken? I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with this one. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. All right. Well, you'll have to wait until next week, Ken. That's fine. Okay, so next week we'll be back. Um, it'll be episode 272, and we're going to do just uh, Starfleet Academy 4 and 5. So it'll be a light week for everybody following along. Okay. Sounds good. Looking forward to seeing what happens. When those Borg show up, it's crazy. It's, it's wacky cuckoo. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.